0: Hey, hey everyone, I'm Dr. Mark Leonard, the Happiness Dude and co-founder of The Happiness Breakthrough. This podcast is for entrepreneurs, hustlers, and go-getters who are ready to up their game. We interview business leaders, owners, entrepreneurs to find out what has made them successful. What are their secrets? Come on, let's go. All right. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Happiness Breakthrough Podcast and videocast. I'm excited to have Joseph Kimball on here today. And Joseph has got some great stories that I'm really looking forward to, to hearing. Uh, he is a, uh, he's been in direct sales. He's been in equine dentistry. And that's going to be a story, but he's also a, a horseshoer, a rodeo roper, an all-around gentleman. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing more from him and more of his story. And I so Joseph, just first and foremost, you know, tell us a little bit about you. How to who
1: who is this guy? Oh just a just a guy that believes in um believes in the human spirit. I think at a very young age I was taught that there were no limits. That I could do anything that I really wanted to do, and um, and I'm not saying that I've done a lot or done really great in life or am the most successful person, but I do know that if you do believe you can do something, that it can ac- you can accomplish it. And I've been doing it my whole life, whether it's been in the in the horse world or in the in the direct sales world, or or I had some really big health issues early on. Uh, as a young uh, 40-year-old guy, so um, I think adversity comes with life, and a really great guy told me one time, he said, adversity is mandatory, misery is optional, Mm. and I've always thought that was a really profound thing. You know, I, I, I really, really love
0: that. I really love that. And I, I hope everyone already, you know, two minutes into this podcast, I hope you hit rewind and, and listen to that again, because that is exactly how people overcome great challenges. But you said something. You said that you were taught that life has no limits. How how was how were you taught that?
1: You know, I had a father that um was my hero, and uh every day he would tell me um, that I could accomplish those things that I wanted to do. He just, he just uh, exuded it. He just, everyone that met him knew that they believed that they could and that he liked him, that he was going to help them if they could, if he could. And so he just taught me that, that there was no can't, that whatever it is, you know, I wanted to be a, a quarterback on my football team and there were several people in front of me and he looked me in the eye and said, if you do the work, Uh, like it depends on you. And then you pray like it depends on God. He says, it'll happen. And some unbelievable things happen. And I did end up being the starting quarterback, even though I was five, nine and slow and white, and had all this stuff against me. And I played one of the better teams that that ever went to my high school. Um, And it was a great experience. But I overcame quite a bit of adversity just to accomplish that. But so, I don't know. My father definitely is the reason that I am the way I am about that.
0: Well, and, and I love that when you can look back on your own life and say, yeah, you know, my dad, my father, you know, I, I call mine. Uh, he's my old man. Uh, he called <laughs> his dad his old man, and, and now my boys call me. And they'll even they'll say, hey, dad. They're all, hey, old man. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we learn – in our home, how to be successful. And there's a recurring theme I've found in many people I've interviewed and many people I've coached is that when a parent just gives absolute words of maybe not affirmation, but really words of, I believe in you, I know that you can do it. It really shifts and changes. It moves mountains. And, and, you know, I happen to know that you're also a coach uh you know what do you, where do you find is really helpful when someone's going through a difficult time and they just feel like they're downtrodden overwhelmed what are what are th- some things that you find that that helps inspire someone
1: you know i've been blessed this year to help with my daughter's basketball team there's a guy that uh, was the head coach and he was such a positive guy that i and he, and he had such a great system. He's a genius, a basketball genius. And the more I talked to him, the more I realized that me being associated with him was going to help me way more than it was going to help him. But um, that being said, this year, talking to those girls every day on a varsity basketball level, um, I've had the privilege of trying to get them to believe in themselves. I believe that's really my goal, is to help them believe as much as I do that they can accomplish the goals that they have as an individual and as a team. And so the other day I sat them down, we were all sitting around the circle there, you know, at mid court. And it was mid season and mid season. Not everybody's really excited about all the things they've accomplished because they wanted to score more points or get more rebounds or win more games. And I said, why do you think, what do you think the difference could have been? And so, I encouraged them to look in the mirror and I realized that if each one of them had only made 20% more of their two pointers and their three pointers and their layups and their free throws that all of our games were close enough that we would have won every game had everybody just made 20% more. And I encouraged them not to look at the coach or their teammate, but to look in the mirror and figure out what can I do better so that, we can win. And these girls are so responsive and hardworking and have great attitudes that they have dug in and, and really improved in the last little bit. So I just try to get people to understand that if they think they can, they're right. Wow. If
0: they think they can, they are right. The antithesis is also true. If they think they can't, they're right. But I really like that you focused on on that whole, you know, the person in the mirror what can they do better, um, focusing on what they can control and what they could have done to elevate their own performance. And, you know, I find that in building a team, and coaching, in leading huge organizations, it's that same mentality. It's that same principle to, to do that. Now, you, you shared a really interesting story the other day about adversity uh it's you know about overcoming a challenge and i was watching your live video and i really liked what you had to say i was wondering if you could share some of
1: that with with our audience Oh, quite a bit of things in that video but i think what you're talking about is the so what video i call it the so what and that's because uh you know in life we we spend a lot of time focusing on the wrong thing. If somebody thinks that your podcast isn't cool, or or, or you need to do this, or you need to do that. And so they give you some negative commentary. and 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 so if you start focusing on that, you wouldn't have a podcast. You wouldn't be able to help anyone because you would be so focused on the people that are offended. And I said, so what? They don't understand what you're trying to do. So what? That they don't like that you got a leadership degree and that yours is called happiness, something about your podcast is about happiness. They don't understand your vision, but you do. And you have to focus on why are you doing this? Because if you do this for the right reasons, you are going to help so many people believe. You're going to help so many people overcome their insecurities and be able to control themselves in a manner that brings them happiness. Because that's really what happiness is about, is being able to control ourselves with our conscience and with our spirit and not letting addiction or, or procrastination or the easy way out rule, but let our will rule and, and our mind rule and not our body.
0: Really it, life is a mind game. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we get it in our head and, and it's interesting. You never win that battle. You never win the battle in your head. It just—it's uh, not until you decide to control your thoughts, control your impulses, control what you want to focus on—that you begin to to really get out of that. So you know, if 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 a younger version of you, uh, you know, as I'm learning about you, you you are successful in a lot of different. Places and avenues in life. And, and I just want to, to be very clear success to me is not necessarily determined by your bank account. Success has to do with so much more than that, it's about a, a level of perseverance and achieving uh, your goals and your dreams that you set out for yourself. Um, if a younger version of you came to you today, and you could mentor the younger you, what advice would you give your younger self?
1: Man, that's a great question. You know, one that I've asked myself a few times in life, but honestly, I would say to me, you can do it. There's a thing, there's a saying I came up with, and I don't think anybody's ever said it before, so it's mine but this is what I would say to a younger version of myself, and that is quit wondering about if you can do something and worry about if you're going to do it. Will you do it? It's not in life. Can you do something, but will you do it? I used to wonder if I could dunk a basketball with 5'10 and white. I used to wonder if I could do all kinds of things, if I could become a pro roper. I used to wonder if I would overcome my heart condition. I was always spending time wondering, can I do these things? And if I could talk to a younger version of myself, it would be quit worrying about if you can and just go do it because you can do it. Will you do it? And so I think that that's probably the best advice I could give to a younger version of myself is to quit thinking about can I and just go and do. Yeah, that's
0: powerful. Uh, you, you know you just brought up uh, the health and and the heart can can you tell us more about overcoming that challenge overcoming that phase of life
1: well I was about 46 years old and uh I lost a lot of weight I was down to about 165 and I looked pretty gray and I couldn't walk to the barn without resting Mm. and they said I had pneumonia and they said all kinds of things but um it turns out that I had a congenital heart problem. Congenital means I was born with it. Uh, your aortic valve has either three little leaflets or two leaflets. They call it a bi or a tricuspid valve. And I was born with a bicuspid valve, and this, the, the sides got what they call stenotic or calcified. And so my heart was having to work really hard just to pump. And so I needed a valve replacement. And in that period, when no one knew what was going on, I was just uh, – I mean – I couldn't walk to the barn without resting three or four times. I was at the national finals rodeo helping a world champion with his horses. And there's 10 nights there. And uh, on the ninth night, I literally passed out in the horse trailer. And a friend of mine came and got me. And uh, I flew home, which was probably a bad idea the next night. And I ended up going to the hospital. And they found out that I, I needed a valve replacement. And that a virus had attacked my heart. And my heart function was down to 10%. Wow! They didn't think I was going to live. I died twice in the process after the surgery. Um, And can you come back from congestive heart failure? Uh, My doctor said, will a third get better, a third stay the same, and a third die? And literally, the reason that I got better is because there was no other option. I had a seven-year-old daughter, and I had a wife, and I had a family. I had another daughter that was 16 and I just couldn't see being done with that, and I would not even entertain the thought of not getting better, and I got better a a lot faster. My heart came all the way back, and uh, I've been able to do things that a lot of guys my age don't even try to do, so extremely blessed, but it was because of all the prayer and positive vibes. Everybody believed I would get better, and sure enough, and about four weeks after the surgery, I was back on a horse and gathering cattle outside. And I had started roping a couple of weeks after that. And it's just kind of a crazy, amazing story of a lot of people that believed in my recovery. And a lot of people came to my service and helped my family feed the horses and clean the stalls and do the things that I couldn't do. And that my wife was, was tied up trying to help me uh nursed me back to health and still had a job it was a pretty amazing time in my life of learning to let other people serve me um it was something that was really hard for me to let go
0: that's a really hard one um that learning to let others serve you um pride gets in the way and you know we we sometimes say to ourselves, I, I can do this, right? We, we spend so much time pumping ourselves up. I can do it. I, I'm able. I'm capable. I'm strong. I'm this. I'm that, right? And we really spend a lot of time on that, which, which is great. In positive psychology, it's great. It's a mindset shift. But there's a, a dark side. There's a negative side to that. And that is it produces this ideology of we are capable to do it on our own. And real strength comes from, I can do it, but we can do it faster. We can do it better. We can do it. And we can go further. And, and, that, and that's a hard shift. How, what, what was that journey for you
1: to, to, to learn to rely upon others for that period? It was extremely difficult because <clears throat> I literally had no choice. And sometimes, and then after it went on, for a while, it really got to where I really appreciated those people. And those people, when I got better, didn't want to quit helping. They they begged me, please don't fire us. Please let us come to the to the ranch and help you every day. And I said, Well, I'm better. I can do it, you know. But we love we love doing this and we love helping. And it was an amazing service project, if you will.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the thing that keeps coming to mind is, uh, you know, cowboy ethics and, uh, and, and the code of the cowboy, right? And I just love some of the law of, of the cowboy life it is, you know, writing for your brand and, and being faithful for that, uh, but also, you know, coming to the rescue Coming to the rescue of your neighbor, coming to the rescue of someone in need, um, how how has you know how has this helped you have more of a servant heart? What do do you find yourself you know now that you've had more service? Do you find yourself wanting
1: to to give more? Uh, definitely. You know, maybe I should just share. You know, the I used to be what they call a day worker, and a day worker in the cowboy world is a guy with a truck and a trailer and maybe a dog and a good horse or two and a really good saddle. And they come to work that day to gather strays and gather cattle or do whatever the ranch is going to do that day. And it usually involves a horse and a dog and a cow and a horse and a trailer. Um, And that day working doesn't pay that great. It pays about, maybe today it might pay 150 a day, but back then it paid about 100 a day. And you had to bring your own truck, your own trailer, your own horse, your own saddle, and your own dog. And you better have a pretty good dog. But in, in that culture, when the neighbor's bull gets on your place or on the place you're taking care of, you gather him. You gather him, even though it's happened five or six times already. You gather him, you put him in the corral because you don't want to breed your cows to his bull. That's why you bought your bull, is so you could breed your cows to your bull. But you learn to forgive your neighbor. You know he's not trying to be on top of you, and he learns that you're a great person because every time the bull gets on your side, even though you're dead sick of it, that you gather him and you put him in the corral, and sometimes you put him in the trailer and you take him back home, and you know, two weeks later, there he is again. And so you learn to forgive, you learn that maybe your neighbor's been sick, and you didn't even know he was sick, but he couldn't fix his spence because he was sick. And that's why. But if you hadn't gathered his bull, and if you hadn't took him back, then you would not even know that you were serving your neighbor. And And in that environment, you really learn how to forgive and how to help each other just because Neighbors help each other brand and do all kinds of things, and they become like family. And so if we treated our neighbor next door uh, and just didn't see him when we drove by, but we actually helped him take the garbage out or we helped him mow his lawn if he was feeling bad, or if we did something for him, we would learn to really have a more empathetic heart toward what he's doing and, and where he's coming from, and we'd all get along a lot better in my opinion.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's that love your neighbor. Truly, what does it mean to truly love your neighbor? And and there, there's a boy. We we could talk a whole hour on just what does it truly mean to love your neighbor and the importance of that. But I, I think there's a reason why Christ said that personally. I think there's a reason why that was right at the top. (laughs) no doubt you know it's uh it's because when we learn to love our neighbor it i think that's i think that's what we're called to do i think it's what we're asked to do by just being on this planet by virtue of who we are of just being um you know I, i this is not a a religious podcast but for those of you that listen you know that there's always something in there that that we talk about, and we are sons of daughters of a heavenly father. We have a God, we have somebody, and we are sons and daughters of, of him. All of us. And if we really believe that, it sure does make looking at our neighbor's bull who broke through a fence a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. You know, so now you, uh, you've also been uh, successful in the direct sales world.
1: Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about that. A long time ago, uh, I did direct sales and I let somebody else's actions just make me decide that I didn't want to do that. But that was a big mistake because I learned so much about the world in direct sales, because every time you interview someone, you learn what they do for a living. I literally have sat down with doctors and lawyers and coaches and teachers and ranchers and accountants and and uh, people with psychology degrees and psychiatry degrees. Um, literally every walk of life, I've literally interviewed them. And so I learned so much about how the world turns just by, meeting so many different people and trying to help them obtain financial freedom, which I was seeking myself at the time. And I kind of turned away from that and wanted to just be happy. I wanted to do something I love to do, not that I didn't love direct sales, but I wanted to do horses. And so I figured out how to start Colts. I had been taught that by my brother-in-law who married my sister when I was three. He gave me a horse when I was four and I've been a little cowboy ever since. Um, but I wanted to go back to those roots. And so I did. And I learned how to shoe horses, do their teeth, train a colt, team rope, train a team roping horse. And I'm a point and a half half a point away from being classified as a professional roper. And so that in itself has been this unbelievable education. And had I not walked away from direct sales, I might've never got that. But lately I did find some very some people with great integrity and with a great plan. And so it's really helped me because I realized why I got all that training is so that someday later in life, I would use it. And I've been using it in the last several months. And it's been a great blessing to me because I don't know what you know about it. Obviously, you know a lot about it. But in direct sales, we, we get emotionally attached, you know. we Back to the so what video. So what? They don't understand what we're doing. It's just a numbers game. You just show it to everybody, and you just don't get attached to whether they say yes or not. Because most people that you contact, you contact them because you like them, and they like you, and you're not going to change that just because you wanted to share something special with them that's special to you that you want to do with them. If they say no, you see them at you see at at uh, at the roping, or you see them at the ball game. You're you're going to be just the same as you ever were. But if you don't do the numbers game and get out of your comfort zone and learn that being uncomfortable is a great thing for personal growth, then you never ever really live life. You live in this little world where you don't want to have any pain. Let's not have any pain. Let's just do this the easy way. And when you get out of your shell and share something with somebody, it makes you grow. And being uncomfortable, is something that helps everyone grow in every aspect of life. It really does. It really, really does. Be okay being uncomfortable.
0: Uh, the life is filled with uncomfort, <laughs> you know, uh, it, which is ironic because, you know, we get home after a long day and, and what, what do we want? We want comfy clothes, we want comfy socks, we want comfort food, we want the comfort of our couch or better, or whatever. And we sit here and we say, oh, won't it be great once we're comfortable? (laughs) We, We were even taught in our youth, just work hard so that you can be comfortable. But I want to present that that's actually limiting belief. A limiting belief is striving for comfort. I would much rather strive to be charged, strive to be energized, strive to be pushed, because I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to be mediocre. I want to be constantly developing and and, and growing. What advice would you give to someone that is starting off their roping career? What advice would you give
1: them Man, I've got a long ways to go to be up there with them really great pros, but I have learned how to catch and I have learned how to ride a horse correctly. And so if I could say anything to, to a young roper and I do, I do some schools. I've done some for Kansas state rodeo team. Um, just there's a little girl coming to the house today that wants to learn how to rope. And so, and she's 11 and she has a pretty cool little horse, but, um, what I tell them is you have to get good instruction. You can't, you, you, you know, uh, we talk about swinging, you know, and I, I, here's my hand going, you know, this is a good swing and this is a good swing. You know, it's kind of a joke in our family because there's only one way to do it right. And if you learn that correctly from someone who understands how to teach you, then you can progress, but you're going to have a hard time progressing if you get false information. And a lot of people are really in the roping world are really their intentions are good, but their understanding of how to do it right are limited because they haven't paid the price to learn it correctly. I'm very thankful that I had a chance to treat both of my daughters to rope because when you teach a young girl how to rope and she's your daughter, now safety becomes the biggest concern. Safety. I don't want my little girl to get hurt, you know, on my watch. So You learn to teach things and do things correctly so that the the kid doesn't get hurt. And really, I tell everybody this all the time. If you can't do it slow, you can't do it fast. So learn the correct principles, go slow until you perfect them, and then you can go faster. And then you can go on to, you know, you got to start on the ground. You got to start on a dummy. But really, the thing is to get the right instruction, go to work start practicing, set a time limit every day. You're going to do a certain amount of reps and then you can grow and you can get pretty good at it pretty fast. All right. So
0: we were just obviously talking about roping, but I'll, i I had no idea I was going to ask you that question, but you just gave the secret to business success. You just gave the secret to entrepreneurial success right there. Is a, uh, you know, we'll start with get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Get good instruction. Pay the price to learn correctly. Practice slow until you perfect and then go faster and set a time limit. Do it every day. If you do those principles, I don't care if you are in direct sales, if you are opening up a dental practice, if you want to be a world renowned speaker. If you want to be the absolute best CEO of a Fortune 50 corporation, those principles apply to you. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you, cowboy knowledge, it is an untapped market. And uh, I just want to encourage everyone, go hug your local cowboy. Well, probably not, but but at least go thank them because uh, there's a lot of great hard work and knowledge out there about how to be successful in life. And I just want to thank uh, Mr. Joseph Kimball for, for coming on here today and sharing some of that knowledge before we go. Are there any daily habits, anything that you do in the morning or anything that you do every day that really sets you up for success?
1: Man, lately I really, uh, last summer it it was brutally hot around here and I'm a horseshoer. Um, And, I had to get control of the heat and and beat and beat it. And so I came up with a formula that really has changed my life. And that was, I tried to be out of the house and gone just after daylight every day, no matter what I had going on. um, The winter kind of spoils us because the weather's good all day. But in the summer, if I didn't get done by 1230, or so, and I wasn't in the shade, it was almost physically impossible to do my job. And so I had taken on an extra 45 horses last summer into my six week rotation. And so I wasn't gonna get them all done if I didn't just every day use that time frame in the early in the morning. And it, it literally changed my life to get out of bed and do what I had to do before noon to make my, to survive. And so then anything I did after that was building a lifestyle. Anything I did after that was, you know, long-term retirement type of stuff. But I could get up every day and just get my routine going um, and get gone and get a lot accomplished as early as possible. And since then, I've learned a lot about that, you know. um, If you get up every day at 5 o'clock and compared to someone who gets up at 7 o'clock, If you do the numbers, by the end of the year, you have an almost a whole month longer that you've been doing what you do than the average person because you added two hours to your day. And so anyway, that's probably what I would say is just don't hesitate. Just set a goal. Get up every day, same time, same place, same station, and do the same thing and believe that it'll work and it will.
0: Thank you very much. That's fantastic advice. Do it over and over. Believe that it will work and it will. Get up, get going. Take on this day, everyone. Don't sit back and wait for the day to happen to you. If you really want to get to that next level in your life, you're going to set a routine. And you'll notice the theme over all of these interviews, I do always ask, what is that routine in the morning? And it's different for every single person. There is not a magical formula that works for everyone. There's there's not. But you need to understand what works for you so that you can uh, take advantage of your strengths and take advantage of where you're going. We've had great instruction from... Cowboy Joseph Equine, or Joseph Equine Kimball. I just put equine in there. I'll, I'll probably see you out on the street, and I'll call you, hey, equine. But, uh, you know, we just had great instruction from Joseph Kimball. I just want to thank you for coming on the show today, and um, thank you for your words of wisdom.
1: Oh, it's humbling uh, to get interviewed by anyone, but I appreciate your interest, and I want you to know that I that I believe in what you're doing. Um, podcasts and things of this nature about leadership and happiness, they are too few. You couldn't have too many of these things and get people involved so that they can get hope and believe that they can change the things and overcome the adversity that's in their life. So I applaud you and I'm thankful to maybe help your audience or anyone that might just not give up today because of my message.
0: Thank you very much. All right, Joseph, have a great day. Thanks for coming on. You too. Thank you so much, Mark. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the happiness dude podcast. If you like the show, please go ahead and give me a thumbs up and share this. That really helps me a lot and it helps me bring on more interesting guests folks that you want to hear from if you know someone that you feel needs to be interviewed maybe they've done something outstanding or maybe they've grown a team and have overcome great adversity shoot them uh, shoot them an email and connect me with them because i want to interview interesting people normal everyday people just like you thanks for listening and i can't wait to share with my next episode